Welcome, River City Church. For people who are new, welcome, first-timers, uh, people who keep coming back. Um, we read from the lectionary every Sunday uh, just to be able to connect with the global church, a passage that brings all of us together. Uh, so today it's Psalm 85. So it says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away our indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Um, I just love the Psalms in general, just the overall theme of this is what God's done. This is what God is going to do, but it's still kind of living in the in-between of like, when will God break in? Um, but it's being able to go back to our past and knowing what God's done in our testimony and what God's done, the fruit that we have seen and allowing that to like build up our faith so we can have that, that expectation for him to do it again. And so, I don't know, the thing that just convicts me and stands out is that all of these things that we, we ask God to like for breakthrough, the things that we want to see God do, it really has nothing to do with us. It just, I mean, even what it says here, you know, that we're just called to just to lock in with Jesus, to lock in and just to walk upright and with righteousness and just allow God to do what God does best. And there's just rest in that. And I, I don't know, I just felt like that was for like our church today, that it's, it's just being able to take rest in knowing that he's going to do what he's going to do and that he is going to break through. Um, and that we can just focus on enjoying God and celebrating God. Um, so I just, yeah, I just wanted to even pray into that and even go into that place in worship. Um, so Jesus, we just thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that we don't have to try to make things happen. God, that we can just walk with you and enjoy you. That your love truly is steadfast. That you're always faithful. God, give us the reminder today of the things that you brought us through, Lord. And just let hope build up in our hearts. Lord, revive us again. Lord, fill us up, Lord. Even as we just go into worship, God, let us just be completely captivated by how beautiful you are. Lord, make our hearts tender. Holy Spirit, just move and make our hearts tender towards you, God. That we would just fall in love with you all over again. Lord, we thank you that there's just joy in being able to walk with you daily. Not for the big moments, God, but just in the mundane that we continue just to stay by your side. So Jesus, again, we just give you praise today. We bless you, and we give you everything. In your name we pray, amen.
moment I was praying for all of you today and this morning. Had no idea they were doing that song. Um, but that's the word that the Lord gave me. My husband's over there smiling because he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, but last night as I was praying, the Lord said, we need to believe what we sing. And especially with that song, mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe, because yes, we can see wonders are still what you do. And I felt it last night. I feel it this morning. That there's this just general sense of hopelessness that we've stopped hoping for what it is he has. And we've forgotten that he still does those things. Wonders are still what he does. In the lyrics this morning, I kept trying to take pictures of them, but in the lyrics this morning, it was the same thing over and over again. It's like he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to show us over and over again. We, this is what we sang. Oh, you're not far away. You're coming close. And oh, even as I wait, you're coming close. And here's no, there's no heart unseen. There's no space between you and I. You're closer. You're coming in close. Like we sang that, but do we, do, do we believe it? Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. But do we believe it? Do we believe that there's power in the name of Jesus, that if we speak it boldly and believe it, that he outshines all darkness? Do we believe it? Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Do we believe it? So Lord, we set our hearts on you. Come and do what only you can do because we need a move. So I believe that's our prayer this morning. So if you'll pray with me, and I'm going to ask you to just hold your hands out. Whatever that thing is that's coming into your mind right now that you've given up hope for, whatever dream that you've stopped believing for, whatever healing you think is not coming, give it to him. Let it go. You're lifting it up to him. Lord, we believe that you are still a God of miracles. Lord, we believe that you still do what only you can do. So Lord, we give it to you. So Lord, I just ask for a move in this room. I know you're here, I can feel your presence. So Lord, we just lift all of those cares and concerns up to you. Lord, we lift those, we lift hopelessness up to you. And as you're praying, just surrender it. Say, Lord, I repent for believing a lie that you can't or that you won't. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come in and fill every heart. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up to overflowing. Help us to feel your hope, to sense your presence. Lord, we just pray that for all the churches, the universal church, the nation. Lord, we just pray for the city of Smyrna, Lord, that hopelessness is no more. Lord, show us what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we have a guest speaker um, all the way from the great state of California. Brought, brought you in, bro, for a moment like this. So if you want to, uh, this is Teddy. Y'all can go ahead and come up, Teddy. 
you know, welcome him. So I want to pray for Teddy. Uh, he's going to share a little bit about his church out in Long Beach and then preach to us. Um, so Jesus, thank you so much for uh, the blessing Teddy has been to our body for so many years. God, we pray that you uh, would touch his words, that, uh, that he would let his emotions show today, God, that you would expose his heart and expose ours, uh, God, that we would be exposed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. I'm actually, uh, we're, my wife and I, well, I get overwhelmed with emotion every time I show up here because I have great love for your pastors and your church. And every time that I show up, I feel like I show up in a season where I need to be carried by the prayers of people. And I feel touched and seen and carried in ways by the Spirit through this church. And so I'm happy to be here this morning with you. I'm really, really happy. And hopefully you can receive me. I come from the land of Long Beach, about 15 miles south of where LeBron James is going to win the next NBA championship. <laughs> hey, do, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're already starting off on a bad foot with me. Don't do that. Don't do that. The Hawks are, I'm, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big Trey, Trey fan, Trey. I always try to call him Trey Turner, but he plays for the Washington Nationals. Trey Young, who just dropped 45 points in the Drew League last weekend, and I wasn't home. A little upset. So things are looking good for you guys. See you in the playoffs in like five years. That'll be good. Cool. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, I'm going to share just really briefly uh, about our church. And when I say our church, I mean a church that's pastored by myself and my wife, Crystal. Um, if you just flip to that first, you'll see her picture. She's not going to stand up. She is the pastor of our church. I'm her smoking hot husband. Like if she was <laughs> up here speaking, she would introduce me as her, you know, semi-hot husband that would be sitting on the front row, right? Um, we're in Long Beach, and I just want to say that the generosity of this church has brought a certain kind of flavor to what we've done. Uh, the kind of generosity that has carried us and made some work in the city possible. And there's no way for me to even get at that effectively. I could share with you about the things that we're doing that's prophetic and important for the church that has to do with worship and the inclusion of children. I could spend time doing that this morning. There's so much we're learning about ourselves. We're an experimental gathering that's both Pentecostal and sacramental, so liturgical. So, you know, we have people who have started with us, and we don't have worship leaders yet. So if anybody feels called, you know, to suffer in Long Beach for the Lord and to raise your salary, you can come. You can, well, you can apply. So, but things are good. So I'm going to show you a couple snippets of what you all have, not only corporately, but some of you individually have come alongside of us and made possible. This is the Lord's table. The Lord's table, it's a meal that we take every week. It's made possible because of what you've done. The Lord's body and blood is hospitably 
and generously provided and set up in a YMCA room every week. And there are beautiful people coming who are really wounded and finding healing at that table. You can flip it. I would love to tell stories. That's my wife, Pastor Crystal, and some of the children of our church. They're breaking the bread. One of the beautiful things about our church is the inclusion of children, and we'll have children serve the Eucharist in one week. The boy on my right, I think he'll be on your right as well, my, my son Theo. We, we use what we used to use. Now we're gluten-free. We use a loaf of bread, and he, he, we, we invited him. Do you want, you know, do you want to do, yeah, I want to serve the bread, you know? And so he just breaks off pieces of the bread. And, and I've done communion a long time um, for at least weekly for the last probably six years of my life. And, uh, and it's, it's been profound, but I've never had an experience like that. And it's not like this is a sentimental, I'm, I'm watching my son serve communion, which is beautiful in its own right. But he, he encompassed something of the nature of God in that room that I've never experienced. And what it was is he was so excited to do it that he was breaking off pieces of bread and walking really quick, right? And what was his language? He said, do you remember? May the, what is it? Anyway, it was about something about the peace of Christ, but he's breaking the bread and he's breaking off such large pieces for the community that like people are looking at it, right? And it's the first time in my life I've seen embodied what happened with the children of Israel when they get manna and they, they say it's manna, which is, what is this? Like they're getting so much, it's going to take them six, they're not even going to get to sing the doxology at the end of the service because they're going to be chewing bread. And he's just whimsically and mischievously dancing around the room. And no adult could do that. No one. Only, only, only a child. And I started to just think about how God gives us so much grace, and so much love most of the time. And actually, we never know what to do with it. We just don't know how to handle it. Next picture. This is our people. It's a very diverse group. We have people who speak Spanish. Most of Long Beach is Spanish speaking. Um, and so we're intentional in building community. And the Lord has saw fit to bring to us a very diverse group of people. We have three languages. And, and within 20 adults, we have multi-generational um, several multiple ethnicities multiple language speakers so even in our worship service you you will hear us sing in other languages where we don't even know what we're singing but let's be honest even though you sang in english today you don't know what you're singing you don't know what you're asking for you don't know and so it's the same you're asking in faith that the one who gives good gifts will give us goodness to bear on us regardless of what our actual requests are. You can move forward. This is this is a local church, and I've prayed to be ecumenical and to work with other churches. And this is a pretty large church in Long Beach that wanted to do an Ash Wednesday service, which we had never done. I've, I've went to them. We had never done one. 
and we were going to do one, and the pastor came up to us and said, look, we want to do an Ash Wednesday service. We don't know what we're doing. We don't want to be on stage. We don't want anything. We just want to tell our people to come. You bring yourselves without your worship leaders. You know, you don't have one, so we'll provide ours. And you guys just do your Ash Wednesday service. Let's just combine our churches and do it together in this space. And so, you know, it was like 150 people showed up and filled up this room. We didn't know if 10 people would show up. And, and they're getting marked by the, the ashes as they head into Lent season. And just speaks of the way God is working with us by working with other churches. Can you flip again? This is the two-year birthday of our church when we launched, wherever the Kennedys are, we launched two years ago. But this is the birthday of our church because it's our first baptism. These people were born into the church that day. And specifically, that's Cameron. She's five or four, babe. Five. And she wanted to be baptized. So we baptized her in the bay. You can see we're suffering for the Lord out there. Like, you can just see how awful it is. And there's not many callers to be worn in California. Go to the, go to the next one. This is Cole. It's one of my closest friends and a true gift to me relationally in the city. He grew up in a church but felt like as we continued to talk about the Apostles' Creed together outside of church, that it spoke of a God that he didn't know, so he wanted to be rebaptized. So we baptized him as well. So I just want you to see, I hate talking about things in, a, in an American way where you need to invest in this field because that's not the way of the kingdom. It's not about that kind of investment and return. Like, we, you know, and I feel dirty when I do it. But I just want to say this. What this church has given to us personally as pastors and friends, some of you guys who I know your names, and I remember every time, the ways it's gifted to us to be there is bringing healing and the goodness of God to bear on us. So thank you. Okay? All right. Formalities are done we can get in to sermon. I said we're Pentecostal. You're charismatic, right? I do have a friend here. If anybody wants to give this guy here a prophetic word to come to Long Beach, you guys just go right ahead. His name's Tyler. Just feel free to, I mean, if you're really charismatic, you know what I'm talking about right now, you know. <laughs> but I'm Pentecostal, so I preach Pentecostal, but we, we do a lot of sacraments, and we're sacramental, but I'm going to preach to you Pentecostally this morning. It's 1135. And uh, the last time I preached from this text was three years ago. I preached for an hour and 28 minutes. The air conditioner broke in the room about 30 minutes in. I wondered why I was sweating at an hour and 28 minutes. I felt so embarrassed that I legitimately knew I needed therapy when two months later, because I just preached a one-off at, at a church that we were a part of, and then I wasn't preaching anymore that two months later I would be like in the shower or whatever and I'd just be talking to myself, being like, you idiot. And I'd be like, why am I saying that to myself? Oh, it's about that sermon. Like I just could not, I wasn't as present as I wanted to be with the people, not cognizant. So if we go an hour and 28 minutes, if we go an hour and 27, I'm doing better, right? Okay, cool. And I'll take up an offering for my therapy. Is that cool? And yours? Yeah? Okay, good. All right, we're going to get started with Luke 11. 1 through 13, I'm really glad this is Family Sunday. I almost preached from Hosea 1, which has a lot about whoredom in it, and I thought, that just would be bad, you know. So let's go here. 
So here we are, Luke 11. I'm just going to read and get started if you don't mind. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as, ta as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, you don't know what you're talking about. No, he said, okay. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And I'm not preaching this, but just to throw it out there because it's one of my favorite lines, is there is no daily bread unless we all receive it. That's why it's our daily bread. So if you have bread and somebody else doesn't, nobody's got their daily bread yet. Forgive us of our sins. And if you want the most un-American existence ever, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. I love that that's not about sin. Like we could just like forgive debts, but we're so tied into our debts that we can't forgive other people's debts because then we can't pay our debts. Like I just drove into Cleveland, Tennessee, which is where I went to seminary and kind of grew up for a while. And one of the first places we passed was a predatory loan place. I was like, wow, that should tell you everything when you go to the city limits and the first place you see is a predatory loan place. Like you're going to be poor living here, man. Or if you make it, you're going to make it on the backs of poor people. People who are disenfranchised. Yeah, that's, sorry. You guys, have, most of you guys have been baptized, right? Like, we're going to remember our baptism this morning. We're not, we're not, I'm not talking to Americans. I'm talking to Christians. Okay. Just want to make sure. Make sure we're on the same page. And I'm feisty. I preach to 17 people every Sunday. It's really hard. I have like 130 in here. Excitement is revving up. That's cool. I'm getting all 127 out of this. Josh ain't here anyway. What? If you leave, just listen to the podcast. We're good. Somebody wants to stay in here from the Lord and something from me. It'd be cool. And he said to them, this is a parable that I, I actually have despised this parable until this week. Probably because of the preaching experience. I, I just... Look, if you don't despise anything in Scripture, you're not reading it. Like, if you love, if you like to say, I love the Bible, you're not reading it. You're not reading it. And you haven't been around long enough to be wounded by people who misread it. And he said to them, so I'm praying that I don't misread it this morning. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. Every parent say amen right there. Like, once your children go to bed, don't bother me. It's the first time we get adult conversation all day. Get your own bread. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you understand? He just like totally complicated everything. Like it was trending some way, and then you're talking about prayer and petition, and then he says, how much more will the Father give you the Jeep you've been asking for, or the job you've been asking for, or the relationship uh, peace that you've been asking for? No, how much more when you're asking for all that does the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you. Everybody say amen. Amen. Teach us to pray, Lord, just like John taught his disciples to pray. Well, Jesus is not going to teach his disciples to pray like John taught his disciples to pray because John's a prophet, and the ones who follow John are in the process of becoming prophets. But the one whose disciples are asking him to teach them to pray is God, not a, just a prophet. His prayers won't just be prophetic. His, 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 his prayers will be prophetic and priestly and kingly and full of spirit baptism. You've heard of some of these offices before? This is the kind of prayer that they have to learn. And so it's not going to be the same because his disciples aren't called to become like John. They're called to share the life of their master, God. And so the prayers won't look the same. Whatever they're asking for, they don't know what they're really asking. But neither do we, and God has grace for that, and it's great. We just need to accept that. We don't know what we're singing. We don't know what we're saying. We don't know what we're really asking for. But God knows us, and he's a good father, better than okay friends who won't come to the door for you, and much better than even, you know, decent fathers. He's better than that. And so for us, we have to understand that prayer is not predominantly about what we say. Because the one they're asking what prayer is, prayer is his life. It's not about words. It includes words because he can speak. But you know if somebody's mute, they can be prayerful, right? I mean, think about what we're saying. And oftentimes when we talk about prayer, prayer is used as only that. And what Jesus is why Jesus doesn't just give them the Lord's Prayer and move along and he gives them parables and other things is because he wants them to understand. You have to not disengage the stories and the prayer from the one who's giving it, the character and the mission of that person, but you also have to understand that this is God's life and this life hasn't changed. Christ right now is interceding on the behalf of all of us right now. He hasn't stopped praying. He's not going to stop praying. Because prayer is his life. And so there's no way to get it, the kind of prayer that we're called to without the character and mission of the one who's called. And he's on his way to Jerusalem to give himself up and to die without fear. So do you want to become prayerful? You have to have the spirit of fear eradicated from you. You have to be baptized in the kind of love that you're willing to give yourself away. But most of us, and this is me included, 
use prayer that actually deflects that kind of responsibility. Like only in my most holy moments will I like, like in my most unholy moments, I'll be like, I'll pray for you. Peace, I'm out. And I might think about that person and I'm out, right? Yeah, okay. Like if that was too much, it was too heavy. You know how you go to the grocery store and somebody's like, how are you doing? And the, or you say, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm terrible. And they'll share like something to you. And you're like, okay, cool, I'll pray for you. I'm out. That's like when prayer's at its worst, you know? At its best, we may pull them off to the side and try to listen for what God's saying to them. But oftentimes, the way we think about prayer is just this kind of like words without responsibility for what's going on around us. And that's not the character of the one who's telling them what prayer is and how to participate in it. And if you really want to get to the heart of prayer, prayer is not something that you do. It's something you let Christ do in you. It's something you let Christ do in you. And so it's going to bring out an animation of your body that goes beyond the kind of words we use. You guys done? You want me to quit? Okay. If you don't, say, bring it. See, I learned that from Stephen Furtick. I watch him sometimes just to learn, like, touch your neighbor three times and whatever. It never works like that for me. If you know why not, let me know afterward. There's also a way of reading this parable where prayer gets at its ultimate worst. And it's the kind of reading that makes prayer our burden. It's not shared anymore. It's not Christ praying in us anymore. It becomes a word count. So you can read this parable and it makes God look like he's, he doesn't like you that much. Because he's got everything in his realm all tucked in, nice and neat. And you want something, not even for yourself, like you want something for your neighbor. You want something for your visitor. And you're coming to pray for them, which is mainly what prayer is, by the way. It's like if we're praying for ourselves, it's we're praying to become something for our neighbor's sake. We're praying to become the goodness of God to bear on our neighbor. So when we're singing songs and we're saying, God, you know, like, fill me, come to me, you're near to me. Just know that when you're saying that, you're saying, fill me for my neighbor's sake, not for my sake. Because the one who's telling us how to pray isn't there for his sake. He's there for his neighbor's sake. But most of us, when prayer is at its worst, and if you've been in charismatic and Pentecostal circles long enough, I mean, we are the worst. It becomes when prayer doesn't work, we haven't, we, we just don't have, we just haven't said the incantation well enough. We haven't said the words long enough. Moving this so I can see you guys. I don't have this problem. I mean, 17 people. In a... <laughs> or I don't have the skill to annoy the one who's, try, who's just too tired to get out of bed to come give me what he wants. That's the reading of the scripture that's bothered me the entire time. That's the kind of scripture I've seen that reading come to bear demonically in my friends' lives. That's the kind of scripture that once it begins to play out and you read it like that, that when your friends have a child that gets a diagnosis where they have to decide whether or not to terminate the child and they get prophetic words from ministers and from around, like bizarre, you couldn't even make this up, that God's going to heal this child. And then they have the child and the child lives five minutes and dies in their arms. And then only 10 minutes after that, the pastor's saying, well, I guess you just didn't persist enough 
for the life of your child. That's demonic. That's how the scripture can be read and used. Or when one of your friends is diagnosed with breast cancer and within months dies and she's one of the most holy people you've ever known. And the husband shows up to the funeral and they say to him, if you'd only had faith, man, she'd still be here with you. See, this parable is about God, but it's also about us. God's every character and not every character. We're every character and not every character. But it has to, we have to think this is saying something different. And it's a whole, it's a whole parable on hospitality, generosity, and neediness. And if we read it the way that I'm talking about, this irresponsible reading where you don't, where, where the, the onus is on you. And some of you guys are carrying this today. And I pray that this is what you're hearing is the spirit breaking this over you. You're not at fault for what's happened in your life because you didn't pray enough. You're not at fault because your kids are addicted to drugs because you didn't pray enough. You may have something to do with that, but it's not because you didn't say enough prayers. Okay? Can we just get over that? Because it's what you're saying, listen to me, when you say that, you're saying something about the character of God. And let me tell you the good news this morning. God's going to be God no matter what prayer we pray. And we're not going to stop him. We're not going to manipulate him. We're not going to get him up out of bed. He's not sleeping. Remember, Elijah makes fun of prophets. What is your God doing sleeping? He won't, he won't listen to you. Are you going to cut yourself? Are you going to do that? I mean, he's mocking people. And like, listen to me. That burden is not yours to bear. And you need to hear this that God is unstoppable in bringing his goodness upon your life. And whatever's happened, he's going to have a final word that's going to be good on every single one. And you can't stop it. You can't stop it. You cannot stop it. Because the persistent one is not us. The persistent one is God. If there's any persistence for us, it's because God is persistent. God is the one who knocks. God is the one who won't relent. God is the one who won't let you get comfortable. God is the one who won't let you only think about people who are from you, your color, your language, your, your nationality. He won't let you be just okay with where you're at. He's going to knock on the door and say, you need your neighbor. You were made for your neighbor. What we have is building a community with and for our neighbors. And I will not relent until I beat down the door. You may not come to me because you love me, but you'll come because I won't leave you alone this morning. He's bringing his goodness to bear on the world. Have you ever heard a sacramental, have you ever heard an Anglican priest preach like this? I mean the words, but like, get this hyped up. Thank you. No, you haven't. Unless you guys have great Anglican churches down here, that would be awesome. God is going to be God no matter what we do. God is the relentless one. It says that the one who comes and knocks on the door is shamelessly persistent. And that's our God. That there's no future this God wants without us. So he won't quit. 
He'll go to Jerusalem and give his life to include us. He'll go to Jerusalem so that God can enter death and transform something that makes us into nothing. He transforms his own enemy. Listen to me. He transforms his own enemy as a doorway into God's own life. If God can defeat death, none of us stand a chance. Not our hard-heartedness, not our stiff-necked ways. Some of you guys who love the Old Testament, you know. But we see in Christ a God who will not be thwarted. But it's you and I, it's you and I who don't have that kind of hospitality to let that God in. We're not friendly enough. We're not hospitable enough. We're the ones who have bread and other people don't. And we're okay with it. Because we're scared and we want to be comfortable. And because we're quite okay if people who are like us are taken care of and people who are different than us can go get taken care of wherever they came from or wherever, like, hood they're from. Like, just go do whatever you got to do. But, like, as long as, like, me and my house or me and my neighborhood... As long as we're good, I, I feel really good. And I can come in singing songs about God being good to me and, and be okay, and my neighbor's out here without bread. That's us. Not all of us, some of us. There are some of us in here who are other people who have needs, and we're going to bed with three loaves of bread at night. You're going to remember your baptism today. You may have been born Americans, most of you. But if you were baptized, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I know some of you will be like, you know, this guy's from California and he's a liberal. But listen, man, when I'm around conservatives, look, look I get it. Everywhere I go, it's, it's serious. Like everywhere I go, especially when I go to Cleveland, Tennessee, and maybe that's just too Southern, you know, because it's small Southern. But like, I can't tell you how many people, I told Josh I was going to say something to you guys. I'm like, I got one rule. Don't come up to me after service and be like, man, you're planted a church in California. Good. Those people need Jesus. You know? Like, how condescending can you be? You don't need Jesus? Like, what are you talking about? You know? But some of you guys are not going to hear me because you think I'm playing partisan politics. And that, this is everywhere I go, man. I'm used to it. Right? I'm with people who like identify as liberal and they're playing that political game. They're like, this guy's a conservative. He has nothing. To, I don't, I don't want to listen to him. Don't come knocking at my door, man. Everything's working fine here. It'd work even better if you just shut up and go away. I may give you something just because you're waking up the neighbors and my kids. You're like disturbing my, my life a little bit. But whatever. Same thing with, with the other side of the aisle. That's the hard thing about preaching something that's the truth of God if it's being preached. And that's the way we close the door and shut it off. Because we lack a kind of hospitality that transcends the way we view the world. The way you've been shaped to think about the world. And that's not a prayerful life. I don't care what word you say. I don't care what word you say. That's not a prayerful life because it's not Christ-like. The Son of Man comes, John the Baptist comes, and he doesn't even drink. And you guys say, you know, he's this, you know, and I come you say he has a demon, and then like I come eating and drinking, and you say I'm a glutton and a drunkard, right? Like it's a no-win situation with people who can't hear what God's saying. To who, to who have ears, let them hear. 
Some of us won't get get out of bed because your system of privilege is sustaining your kind of life. And you need the hospitality to listen to people who are not only need to speak about the kind of life and their life experiences that the world systems aren't working for. They don't have any bread. And I'm not talking about the middleman. The middleman knocking on a door has a voice. The one coming has no voice. And until the church, until you're prayerful and you have a kind of hospitality that you listen to other people's experiences and don't put them into partisan politics and you begin to think, maybe this is really going on to the world and you feel and sense the Holy Spirit which is gifted to you, drawing you into some form of responsibility and participation with them, then you're becoming prayerful people. But if you dismiss everybody because they listen to one news network or the other, you're more formed by partisan politics than your own baptism. Is that you, babe? You're going to get me running. And they will never get out of here. Your God is not a God of friendship. At least not a God of friendship, love only. Your God's a God of enemy love of stranger love. This is why Paul said, when we are yet enemies of God, that's how, when he reconciled us. We didn't become sort of friends with God and then annoy him to come down. No, this God's a God of enemy love. And so if we're good to people who we're like halfway good friends to, what is that? That's not Christianity. Christianity is goodness to be born and brought and to bear on everyone regardless of your differences. That's what Christianity is. That's what the life of Christ is. And so loving like Christ is loving, being able to love the strange and the stranger. This is why John says in his little letter, he says, you can't love God and hate your brother. Because if you hate your brother, you're definitely going to hate people who are different than you. Like if you can't, you can't, God is so other than you. Like, you think he's your buddy and your friend and nobody likes him. Like, Chris Green's coming next week, and he'll say this so many times to you guys. The only people that like God are, are children and widows. So if you don't fit in that, you're not, you just wouldn't like him. You're not an exception. You wouldn't like him. Because he's so different. Thinks so different. He's speaking so different. He's calling you to a life that the world's not calling you to. The world is not offering this life to you. It's actually trying to prop you up in a place where you don't have to come out of the house. This God is relentlessly calling you out of the house. You can't love God and hate your sister or your brother. And this is what Jesus says, right? Like, you have to have a kind of like, you have to have a kind of like love for God that actually you can push away those closest to you. It's not, he's not telling you to hate your mother, sister, brother. Like, he's not telling you to hate them. That's ridiculous. He's saying You have to be able to, like, leave the one that you're closest to, that you're most like, because you're called to people who are different than yourself. Not just other Christians. People who are different than you. I'm going to keep moving because I'm I'm running out of time, and I don't want to run out of steam. God is also the one in the house, but he's also the one that is the door that we knock on. Christ is the door. Christ is 
on his way, right? Like he's in the house. He's not just the one knocking persistently. He's the one in the house. We were the ones in the house. Now I'm going to switch like a parable. You just switch to the other side. Look at it. Now God's the one in the house because you want to know what? This God is on his way to sleep so that he can rise. If you read the Greek, this is exactly the kind of language it's getting at. This God is going to sleep. He's going to rise and he's going to give us the kind of bread we need to become the ultimate sharers in the world. And you know how we get in that place? We knock on the door, which is Christ. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. But we're the unprepared ones. We're unprepared for our friends, much less unprepared for people who are different than us. People who are coming to us. People we see every day that we disregard. Most of us think we're doing well when we don't hate people. And I'm here to tell you, the biggest hurdle for us to live the life of a baptism is actually indifference, not hate. It's just not, whoo, giving a whatever you want to put there. Having no empathy and hospitality for what others are experiencing. So life is a prayer of petition, but like I said earlier, it's a prayer for us to become the kind of people that can make room for people who are different than us, the traveler, the migrant, the refugee. So we go and we do ask the one who comes with the bread to make us shares. We do come and ask him. But we ask that so we can become shares, not so that just our needs are met. I think of I'm sorry, I'm just going to do this. This is like, it's like maybe if I'm going to do this. You guys do know the story in early Luke when Jesus goes and he does, he does the miracles in Capernaum and then he comes home and he gets up and he reads some scroll and this is where charismatic services pop off, right? Like I came to like, you know, open blind eyes and to preach to the, you know, the good news to the poor, which is like, yeah, whatever. Open blind eyes, that's spectacular. Let's do that. Like, that's what we're going to, like all our services are just opening blind eyes you know, preaching to the poor and coming for the setting the prisoner free. Well, if they actually did it, we don't really want them set free. Like, you know, that, that doesn't, whatever you mean there, you know, like, and we act like those people will be like, yeah, we under, like, no, they're the same way. They're like, what? But, you know, Jesus had just come in, into their presence, like doing all these miracles. And the stories had like hit and he's doing all these miracle things like crazy. And he's this spectacle. And so he go, you know, he's at home and they're, they're like, okay, you know, we, we heard you speak about all that prisoner stuff, whatever, you know, like do the miracles, man. And Jesus says, Jesus says, the, this, listen, go, go look at this, man. This will change how you read scripture and think about God forever. Because it's the rudest thing ever. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. And he tells them two stories. If you know these stories in the Old Testament, you'll know, like, what he did. And that's why they want to kill, they, they kill him. He says, guess what? You're asking for something, and I'm not going to do it. But that's not the first time I haven't done it. There were lepers in Israel, my people, who needed to be healed in the time of Naaman. But Naaman wasn't, uh, wasn't a Jew. He wasn't, Isra- he wasn't from Israel. And Naaman was from a foreign country. And Naaman, not only that, he would raid Israel. And he found out about a prophet from his slave girl he stole from Israel. So he's the last guy that you think God's going to, like, meet, right? Like, this is it. Like, you haven't earned this, right? And they're, like, freaking out. And he's, like, saying, so, listen, I didn't heal. There were thousands of lepers in Israel. Did I heal them? No, I healed Naaman. And you're, like, what? Your own people? Yeah, listen, it gets even worse. Like, there were a lot of hungry people in Israel, too. 
and Elijah had this little thing that would make bread? And did I, did I feed the Israelites, or did he feed the Israelites? Did he feed them? Through? No, he fed like outsiders. So no, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to give you what you want. Not because God's mean, because God knows if he performs that miracle for them, he'll harden their hearts toward him. Some of the things we ask where God doesn't do because it will harden our hearts toward him. And what he gives us instead is the testimony of our neighbors. So his hometown doesn't get their own miracles. They get the testimony of the people from a place that's not their own. They have to hear the stories and actually be tempted to believe the stories about God rather than seeing them themselves. And so for us this morning, we're often unprepared for our neighbors. We're often not hospitable enough. And part of that is because we haven't said no to ourselves. We're consumers consumed with consuming. We want safety. We want no fear. And so we never say no to ourselves about things we can get that we can have, right? And because we don't say no to ourselves and build up bread, so when people come along that have needs, we just get to say, no, we don't have any. I'm sorry. I can't give to this right now, which is like hard. I know because like, Every five minutes on your social media feed, somebody's got an Indiegogo or, you know, a, a GoFundMe or whatever. You know, like everybody's asking for your money, but you need to hear me. Like, if you're going to live a life of prayer, that's, you're going to have to say no to yourself because you need to say yes to other people. You want to be prayerful? That's just what it is. It'll take the spirit to discern that, but moving along. We're the needy ones. We're also the traveler. And God is also the stranger. In our church, we have a guy who preaches about every fifth Sunday. He's second-generation Mexican immigrant. And one of his reads of the current crisis of immigrants coming, like people who are trying to immigrate to the United States and coming to the borders, one of his reads is so profound that I, I can't get over it. And he said, man, it was all fun and games when it was flights and Instagram, like when we could go there. But when the mission field starts coming to you, everybody starts getting freaked out. Like the mission field is coming to us. We've been praying for God to like heal nations or whatever. And then the people start coming to us. We're like, whoa, get away. We have our kids tucked in. We got like these loaves of bread and things are good, man. Like stay there, you know. Can't you get it worked out over there? And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Part of the reason we do that is because we don't realize we're actually the needy one in the story. Because God is coming to us in the face of the stranger. God is coming to evangelize us from being comfortable Americans to being baptized people. And he's being held back in some ways because of our indifference. Not because of politics is doing its own thing. I'm talking about just like, just for the spirit to give you empathy for people to get out of the rage machine and begin to have empathy and think, how can I knock on the door for them? How can I be for them? Because they don't need me per se, I need them. I need God to come at me. Look, we're charismatic and Pentecostals. I mean, we're so used to the presence of God, but I'm telling you right now, there are two places that God's gonna come to you so many times today that you won't even be able to recognize it. It's gonna be in the face of children and strangers way more than anything that's gone on in here. He's going to come to you. Can you receive him? And so when people are wanting to come to us 
We've got to think imaginatively, how do we make it possible? Because it's just likely that God is coming to us. Lord, come to us. We had one song. Lord, come to us. Bless us. Come. And the Lord's like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm just coming in a brown-skinned individual trying to come across the border, you know, like, stay. But go figure it out in your own place. Sorry, man. We don't have enough empathy. People are telling us that it's not working. And we're not willing to listen. And so this is where I want to leave you off this morning. Or at least let me say this about neediness. Just in case you think that you pulled yourself off your bootstraps, you pulled yourself up. And let me just say this, because I'm just going ham and I'll never be invited back. Whatever. Is if you've ever said to a person in your life, those who don't work, don't eat, have never been consumed by the Eucharist yet. You've come to the Eucharist and partaken of the Eucharist and you've consumed it. But you haven't been consumed by it. Because that paradigm doesn't work. And this morning, we need to recognize that we're actually the needy one. That it's great. Jesus gives like these little snippets that are like, ask, seek, and knock, and it'll be open. But he never tells us what we're going to find. Just it will be good for us. Face of a stranger. But Paul knows his neediness, and he's drawing from Isaiah when he says, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. This is what you need to understand. You have no merit in your salvation. That's the good news this morning. If you have merit in your salvation, go, dude, good luck in life. You have no merit. And we're still needy. God's not needy, and this is the word I'm leaving you with this morning. That's it. God is not a needy one. And it's precisely because God's not needy that indebtedness has to be in the Lord's prayer. And what I felt a burden for this church and this time for you is there's a part in the parable where the one who is asking the person to come, he says, he says this, will you lend me this? Will you lend me this? And I need you to hear this. God's not needy. God's not insecure. Like, there's no need in the triune God. He's just roomy. That's why we're here. You hear me? He's just roomy. He has love to share. He's a community of sharing. He's ultimate bliss. And we're being brought into that. But you need to hear how this bears on you because I've sensed this about you this morning. That if you've heard any gospel that indebts you to God, that's not the gospel of Christ. Like if you're here because you think you owe God something, you haven't heard the gospel. You, you can understand, I'm not, I'm not concerned with your salvation this morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just haven't heard the gospel. Like God is not a better interest rate He's just a credit card company with a better interest rate. 
Like the rest of the world operates in debts and owes. And even when we're being generous and hospitable, we often try to bind ourselves to people awkwardly so that when they don't do something for us, we're like after, like we were like after all I've done for them. You know, like our generosity and hospitality comes with strings attached because we're trying, like we can't help ourselves. We're broken. I hear you. This is not a condemnation. This is just the kind of paradigm we work in. And I'm here to tell you, that's not what God did when he's reconciling you to himself so that he's a better credit card with a 0% interest rate. He's not a better lien holder. It's for freedom that God has set us free. So you don't know him anything. It's just once the goodness of God actually comes to bear on you, you'll recognize your neighbor because it'll come to you through your neighbor. And you'll recognize your neighbor and be brought into a kind of life that doesn't come with that indebtedness. I think most of us, at least me, I know a large portion of my my life, like I I did things for God. I wanted to be a prayer for God. Like I asked God, Lord, teach me to pray because I felt like God owed me something. And it's, I get it. I'm shaped by my own common sense. Like this is the way the world works, but this is not the way God works. He didn't die on the cross and wasn't resurrected so that he could like bring me into the, you know, just a better life as shackled to him. That's not what it is. He brought me into a life that sets me free to actually love him and love my neighbor. If God is a better interest rate, then to be like God is to love people to give them a better interest rate, and you'll feel good about yourself. But either this God is a debt canceler and eradicates whatever system makes debt possible for us, or it's just another American version of Christianity. That's all it is. That's all it is. And that means he's not requiring your worship. Here's my parting statement for you. And then I'll let the prayer team clean up my mess. I was talking to a friend in a coffee shop the other day, and we were talking about the kinds of ways in which we've heard the gospel and we preach it. And he gave me the statement that just like encompassed what I feel like the Spirit is doing in my life, and I want to. So think of it in terms of worship and prayer. Think of it in terms of the kind of things I'm talking about, that when you're brought into the life of God, you're brought into responsibility for other people. Think of it in terms of like, I'm not telling you because God was good to you, you have to do this. I'm just telling you God's going to relentlessly set you free for that, right? Hear this phrase, obedience is the search to find adequate ways of showing gratitude. Do you hear what I'm saying? Obedience is the search to find adequate ways of showing gratitude. Not that I owe you anything, but I'm thankful that you set me free. And I have no, like, what do they say in the scripture? Where else would I go? You know, like what he's like, no free bread anymore, folks. Like, feeds the 5,000, they come. They're like wanting to follow him. He's like, okay, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, you're weird. We're out. And then the disciples are like, he's like, you want to leave too? And this is what what people who have been claimed by God say. Where else would I go? You have the words of life. You're not binding us to you in that way. And so for us to learn to to, to be generous and hospitable, to shamelessly shamelessly be persistent like God, 
we have to find ways out of our broken generosity and our broken hospitality. A room making that is better than the world, but not quite like God. So if you'll stand with me this morning, that will be my prayer. Then I'll turn the prayer team loose to do whatever. God, what I sense from you this morning, well, I'm, I'm going to sing a song over you. I'm not a singer. I'm going to sing the song that we start our sermon off with every week in Long Beach. It's so weird. Hear the words of Christ our Savior. Come to me. Come to me. All you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For God so loved the world he gave, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life. Hear the words of Christ our Savior. Come to me. Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Spirit of the living God, I pray that however this church responds in this moment and in the future, that they're not coming to a more benevolent debt holder. Paul said love keeps no record of wrongs. It's not strong enough. Not demanding anything from us. Your word doesn't go forth and come back void. It's going to do its work in us. And when we resist, it feels like wrath. And when we say yes, like Mary, it's painful, but it comes with a kind of joy. And so I pray this morning for anyone in this place that hasn't heard your gospel this morning or they just haven't heard that they've been set free, that they sent your spirit freeing them up from obligation to you from obligations of worship, obligations of prayer. You don't need it. That's not why. You revel in it because it's those who have tasted and seen that you are good, and they reciprocate God's goodness to them back to God in a mutuality, a foreshadowing of us being with you, you and us, us and you, in the love of the Father, in the power of the Spirit, as the Son has encompassed us all and prays these prayers for us and in us. Free these people up to love their neighbors. And those of us who resist, free our neighbors to love us into your love, God. Let your gospel go forth. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you, Teddy. Y'all give it up for Teddy. So God, we go into this week, God, we pray that you would let the words that Teddy spoke today set on our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.